You're listening to Faith by Hearing with Dave Delaney, Christian conversations about faith, family, and friends. There's currently a division amongst the hosting crew and production crew, which is one and the same of the Faith by Hearing podcast. What's the division? Some of us, Uh and I say us because I am in the majority side of this division, want to, next week when we are all skiing together, uh-huh. Record live on the ski lift. Another unnamed person. This is Evan speaking, so you know it's one of two people. She's either Derek or myself. Was initially against the idea a couple months ago. Yeah. It's come up recently, and by that I mean a few minutes ago. <laughs> and it's kind of, they seem not as against it as they were before, but they yeah. also don't seem for it. So I say, since even though this is a group of three, Let's just pretend it's like a group of four and we're split and we go to a crowd vote. Are we are we are we pretending that all three of us have the equal say in this? For the sake of uh <laughs> for the sake of this portion of the podcast, yes. So we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna cut this out to twenty five percent each, right? Twenty five percent each and the crowd crowd gets twenty five percent. Okay, no, I see. If if the if we give the crowd twenty five percent, then that actually does set us up for a, a legitimate like what's it called? Tie. Here's the deal. We are going to put a poll up this week. If you think it would be interesting, then let's do it. So taking the show on the road. Taking the show on the road to the ski resort. Okay. Let us know. We'll put a poll up. We want to hear your feedback. Got to give the people what they want. Or what they don't want. And I will accept the results either way. Wait. You give them what they don't want and you accept the results either way? (laughs) I was hoping no one would catch that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Welcome to Faith by Hearing Podcast. And uh, last week we were talking about the differences that we have with other personalities at work, at home, at church, in the community around us. And the reality is that a lot of times these differences can create conflict. So we want to talk today about how do we handle conflict The great news about this subject is that the Bible gives us a very clear instruction for how we we are to manage the conflicts that we have in this life. And I'm going to read Matthew chapter number 18 and verse number 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, then thou hast gained a brother. But if he hear thee not, Then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, then tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, then let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. And so the Lord gives us at the very beginning of that some great instruction for how we are to biblically approach the conflicts that we have in this life. And the end part of that application, of course, is an argument for church discipline, which I don't want to get into that conversation today. Maybe that's a conversation that we could have future in the future. But today, I want to talk on the front end of that, of when we have these conflicts wherever they may be. And the reality is, of course, that we will have conflict. How should we approach it? How should we handle it? How should we follow the, 
uh, the Lord's instruction here. And I think at the beginning of this, I just want to point out that to resolve conflict first, you have to own your own part of the conflict. That that conflict is almost never 100% the other person's fault. That in some degree, whether it's um, a lot or a little, but in some degree, you've contributed to the problem in some way. And a lot of times, thinking that you're not the problem is the problem. And uh, when you have differences and you have this conflict and you have these issues, you you have to be willing to own your own part of the conflict. One of the best expressions I, I've heard on this is trying to figure out how much you've contributed to the problem here is, is the question, what's it like to sit on the opposite side of me? So what's it like to have to listen to me as I've articulated my defense or as I'm, you know, uh, presenting my case or as I'm dealing with, you know, my kids or as I'm treating these employees or whatever it is that thinking of it from another perspective, the perspective of the other person that gives us a lot of insight to help us understand, man, maybe I am contributing to this what to this problem in some way by my tone by my attitude, by my willingness to listen, by my approachability, by my relatability, whatever particular scenario that might fit. So the the verse says here in verse number 15, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, then go and tell him his fault between him, between thee and him alone. And he says, man, you and him, that's the implication here. You and this other brother have had this disagreement. You've had this problem. And so we have to be willing to own our own part of the conflict. And owning our own part of the conflict, whatever percentage it may be, is really the first step into resolving the conflict. I think a lot of times our human nature is to pride ourselves in how difficult we are to work with. And I say that in this way. Our human nature is to pride ourselves in our ability to get our way. Sometimes we get proud of how difficult it is to sit across from us in a conflict, right? Especially, I think maybe maritally or in familial relationships, we wouldn't be that way. But especially in business, especially in workplace, everyone likes to be the bulldog, Mm -hmm. right? We pride ourselves in, I get what I want. My people, they produce results or they face the consequences, whatever that looks like. And when you say it that way, how would it be if I had to negotiate with myself? How would it be if I had to settle a problem with myself? Mm -hmm. It turns that philosophy back on its head because it kind of makes you put yourself in the shoes of someone who who would have to deal with you in that situation. It seems like it all comes down to how empathetic are you willing to be. And that's basically just like you said, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And if that's something you're not used to, you're not comfortable with, then you're probably pretty difficult to work with. Yeah. And I I think, too, owning your part of the conflict requires not simply perspective and empathy, but it also requires humility. It requires a willingness on your own part or my own part to say, you know what, maybe I didn't handle every aspect of this particular situation the, the correct way. And 
of course, this is what the Lord calls us to do, right? The Lord calls us to live with humility in our lives. Only by pride, Solomon says, cometh contention. So if there is conflict, if there is contention, if there is fighting, it got there through one avenue. It was one street, and it was one way, and it was called pride. And most of the time, that's taking place in both hearts of both individuals. And so a willingness to recognize, uh, I perhaps I'm right in my position, but I didn't handle my rightness the correct way. Hmm. And so recognizing, resolving conflict begins by recognizing, okay, what part did I play in this? And is there empathy, compassion, perspective, humility that I need to have? And of course, the answer to that is always yes. A, a soft answer turneth away wrath. So when we can respond with humility, soft answer, empathy, perspective, all under this kind of first point of owning whatever part of this you 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 played in, um, then then we're off to a good place of 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 finding. A, partic a particular uh, resolution. The second thing I'd say on this is, is resolving conflict is you have to go directly to the person. And and this is, of course, what the Lord calls for. And, you know, sometimes when we read this Matthew 18 passage, that's the first thing we always, we always point out. And it's, and it's right. It's right to point it out that if you have a conflict with someone, you have to go, you have to go to them. A lot of times the conflict that we're, experiencing is mishandled because rather than talk to someone, we talk about someone. Rather than going to that person directly, specifically, and saying, let's figure this out, and let me own my part of this, and let's walk through this together. Tell me your point of view. Instead of doing that, we decide that it's easier to talk about that person to everyone around us. And in so doing, what we're attempting to do is we're attempting to win people to our, to our cause. We're trying to win people to our cause. We're trying to case build. Here's why I'm mad about at this person. Here's what this person did to me. And it's a whole lot of talking about, but there's very little talking to. And conflict does not get resolved when we're simply trying to win people to our side rather than resolve the conflict for what it is. So talking to the person that you have a problem with, that you you have to have enough courage to say, I'm going to go to this person and I'm going to resolve this, him and I, her and I, and we're going to figure this thing out. And a lot of times, a great indicator of whether or not the issue should be taken to that person directly is, are you willing to go to that person directly? So if you're unwilling to go to a person directly, specifically, and deal with that issue one-on-one, -on -one, then maybe that's a sign that the issue isn't as big of an issue as perhaps you're thinking it is. Right, we see this in our world on an international level. Every time a country does something that another country is not pleased with, it doesn't start a war, right? And thank God for that because there would be weekly wars developing in our world. Yeah. And the same is true where 
if it's not something that you're willing to go to war about, it's probably not something that mm-hmm. is matters enough or is significant enough to be as upset as you are. Yeah. That's and that's a good point because we could easily find ourselves offended by any and everything. Right. Right. You you can find yourself if you look to take offense, you could find a lot of offenses in this world. This person didn't shake my hand after church. My husband didn't bring me flowers on this special day. We were supposed to have, you know, take our kids here and we didn't take our kids there. We took our kids to this other place. And so now they're mad at mom and dad for whatever particular thing. And it's so easy to to find offense in the world. And to, to that same point, this is the way that most of the world operates. They're they're looking to find an offense. They they we've prioritized victim status in our culture instead of prioritizing living from a status of of victory. And this is translated into the Christian world as well. That I know what he meant by that. I know what she meant by that. So a lot of times, man, a great way to judge whether or not this is worthy of of conflict with a brother or sister is to gauge, are you willing to go directly to this individual and talk with them specifically about it? I think a lot of times the reason why we don't go directly to the individual is because it's not just because it's the difficult thing to do, but it's not really the fun thing to do. That's a good point. You watch any kind of reality TV, any kind of movie, it's always about what's going on behind the scenes and who's telling who about what. And that seems to be what really drives a lot of conversation today is, oh, they said this about me and I can't believe they did that. And can you believe she said that about her? And it's all about, it's it's really dramatic. And so it's mm. triggers that part in our brain that, that piques our interest, but it's not conducive to resolving the conflict. We, we all like to think of ourselves as being on some kind of holy quest to right some kind of wrong. And Jesus has given us the instruction. Here's how you right the wrong, right? This, this is the holy quest to live out. Go to your brother directly and resolve it and maintain a good testimony with those that are without, but also you win a brother in the process that the two of you don't have to go through life with this animosity and bitterness toward one another. We see examples of this in every corner of the internet, right? People who are not willing to have a one-on-one conversation with a brother or even another individual in regards to the conflict they face but there's some kind of comfort in the crowd where they're more, they'll they'll mm-hmm. begin that conflict in a social media timeline right they'll put it in your news feed and then have sides and the conflict develops a following and this is the exact opposite of what Jesus is talking about when exactly. he says that you'd have a good reputation or a good testimony with those that are without yeah where this does nothing but harm the testimony to the whole world who's doing nothing but getting out their technological popcorn and watching you guys fight it out. Yeah. So own your own part, go directly And this is a third one and, and maybe just as important, but it's important that we maintain a belief in the best of the other person. It's very easy in the middle of conflict to assign bad motives to someone. 
to act as if they their intentions were da- were were bad and instead the best thing to do in the middle of conflict is to give the other person the benefit of the doubt that they they might not have realized how they were coming across they might not have realized what they said and how they hurt um that you want to believe the best in others our our proclivity is to assume the worst and this is a part of our fallen nature that's true but we we have to recognize as redeemed people as christians our our reaction our normal reactions aren't normally the best reactions and so we have to we have to fight against our normal reactions or tendencies to something and we have to we have to be willing to believe the best in someone else. This is not saying that someone is always doing the best. This isn't to say that their intentions weren't bad or their motives weren't evil. What it is to say is it's to say begin from a place of believing the best in the other person. That believing the best in the other person allows you to be able to address an issue directly without ruining the relationship. It it can allow you to have a conversation that's helpful but not but not hurtful. And so this this sounds like if you're in the conversation believing the best sounds something like this, you may not have realized it, but when you said that, here's how it made me feel. versus saying something like I know exactly how you are. You're this and you're this and you're this. And that, when we approach it that way with these kind of character attacks, personal attacks, we aren't assuming the best in the other person. We're assuming the worst. And if we want to if we want to resolve conflict in a Christ-like manner, it's essential that we learn to believe the best in in other people. It's a great feeling to receive the benefit of the doubt which is I think what you're getting at, that we've all been there where you did something that was taken as ill-intentioned and someone else, a third party maybe, or even the person you're in the conflict with looks at the situation and just assumes that what you did was an honest mistake. And it's so much better to receive that credit than when people assume the worst. But we've all been there and received it, but we're all sometimes hesitant to give it. I think that's challenging. I think a lot of times it's hard to know even your own intention, right? Much less someone else's intention. And you know, Jeremiah says that Jeremiah 17, the heart is desperately wicked, who can know it? And so sometimes in the middle of conflict, it it's hard to regulate your own heart, much less take whatever is happening in your own heart and project that onto the other person and assume that you know what's happening in theirs. And so trying to resolve conflict in a big biblical way, we want to make sure that we're we're extending to others the benefit of the doubt that we're believing the best in them. You have to also understand that every person in their own mind is the good guy. Mm. And even if they're doing something that is actually wrong, they'll justify it in some way. And see themselves as some arbiter of justice or even ignorant of the consequences. And, and that in itself, if you're being empathetic, like you said earlier, you're a lot you're able to give them the benefit of the doubt. 
Yeah, and the the reality is too that a lot of times you don't know what is in someone's past, what kind of hurts, what kind of damage, what kind of things have been said or done in someone's past that's led them to this to a particular breaking point in the present. And so you you unknowingly walk into a particular landmine. This happens all the time in marriage where someone comes into a relationship, you know, newlyweds, they love each other, they've dated, you know, at Bible college in a controlled setting, controlled environment for two years. They think they know everything about the person. Then all of a sudden they get into a marriage six months, seven months, eight months in and unknowingly you walk into a landmine that, you know, reminds the, you know, your spouse about whatever particular experience he or she had growing up, which now all of a sudden you're going, okay, I didn't realize you felt so strongly about that, you know, particular issue. I remember early on, Amanda and I were talking about how we were going to discipline our kids. And I remember telling Amanda, our kids are definitely going to need spankings. You know, they're going to be, they'll be just like me. They're going to be, you know, rebellious kids, disrespectful. They're going to, they're going to need this kind of punishment. And Amanda saying, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to, you know, spank our kids. And I said, okay, babe, watch this. If our kids are like me, then we'll spank them. And if our kids are like you, then we won't have to, right? And uh, guess what she agreed to very early on? <laughs> that, that they were a lot like me. And so our kids got a lot of whippings growing up. And, you know, sometimes you're bringing something into the relationship from the past that you don't realize. And so that's, that's what giving the other person the benefit of the doubt allows you to do. It allows room to say, maybe I don't know everything that's happening in this person's heart or that's happening in this person's life. And maybe there, maybe there is a, a reason why this person has taken a particular issue with this thing, which is, which is what we're talking about, right? So we're saying, well, well the only way you're really going to know that is you go to them directly. And the only way you're going to know that is to humble yourself, have a empathetic, sympathetic spirit, and be willing to engage in the conversation. And the only way you're going to know that is if in the middle of the conversation, you are attacking the other person, pushing them away, causing them to be defensive, but that you're entering into an understanding saying, maybe you didn't realize it, but this is how this looked. And so now you're trying to resolve conflict in this biblical way. The, the other point on this, that, or the next point I should say, is that when you're resolving conflict, you want to explain your position, but you don't want to blame the other person. And this really comes across in how you talk to the other person who's in the conflict. Conversations always go sideways when we're blaming the other person. I only did this because you, because you, this is your fault. This is what you did. And so we're laying all kinds of blame on them. And this is going to cause the other person to put up walls because no one wants to, to feel that, right? And the walls go up in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's, I feel like you're attacking me. You're blaming me for the situation. So I'm going to be louder than you are. And so now we start yelling back and forth. Sometimes the walls go up more passive aggressively. 
I feel like you're attacking me. You're blaming me for all your problems. So now you're going to get the silent treatment. Okay, fine. That, yep, you're right. It's always me. Okay, sure. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Let's move on. But there's, there's, no, there's no meaning in that, right? There's a, those are empty words being offered as a way of just building a wall. So we don't want to blame, but we do want to explain. Here's how, maybe you didn't realize what you said, but here's how I interpreted that, which is why I did this and I did this. And if this hurt you, if this offended you, if this caused you to be defensive, or if this made you mad at me for some reason, then I'm owning my part of that. And I, I apologize. So we want to make sure that we're not blaming the other person, but we do want to make sure that we are explaining the position that, that we've taken in this over this particular issue. I think any amount of passive aggression inside of that completely negates it. If you're going to take the blame and own your part and go to them directly and believe the best about them and give them the benefit of the doubt, all that has to be done in sincerity for it to be effective at all. Yeah. Because the minute it becomes even just in the slightest ingenuine, it becomes very passive aggressive and kind of just completely negates anything you've said or done so far. Yeah, that's a good point. And just as a side point, going off what Evan said, if I were to start a, a podcast on internet drama, I would call it techno popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other point that I would add to these is that when we're dealing with these conflicts, we have to be specific. It, it's important when we're trying to resolve conflict that we don't generalize the argument, that we don't globalize the argument. And, and these are done, right, with the, with the words that we should never use, but we always do, right? The words never and always. You always do this fill in the blank. You never give me fill in the blank. And we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're staying away from those because it causes us to escalate in our defense rather than de-escalate. Hmm. So in looking to resolve conflict, we want to be specific. Here's the issue that we're dealing with. Here's the point of frustration. Here's what you said that embarrassed me in front of the other people. Here's what you didn't do, you know, in the office. Whatever it is, right? We want to we want to keep it specific. We want to localize it. We don't want to globalize it. We want to keep it to this thing. And a lot of times what happens in our lives, and especially in the relationships that we're maintaining through our lives, is we don't deal with an issue directly. We don't give that person the benefit of the doubt. We don't find the courage necessary to go to them, own our part, explain our position. And so we wait for this massive explosion. And we just let it build, and we let it build, and we let it build until it just explodes. And when it explodes, it goes... And then you did this last week and you did this two weeks ago and you did this last month and you did this four months ago and you did this a year ago and then six months, one, you know, I mean, now we're letting this extend on and we've caused this massive explosion in the relationships of our lives because we haven't specifically dealt with individual issues along the way. So we want to be specific. What are we trying to resolve? What, where is the disagreement? Where is the problem? Let's talk about it and let's find resolution 
for this specific issue as it relates to these relationships we're maintaining. I think in the same way that we are often tempted to bring up a whole laundry list about someone, we always have, always have to be careful, or we also have to be careful that when we are confronted, we are tempted with the same thing. And what I mean by that is that me and my wife always talk about this, how it seems like I don't have a problem with her until she has a problem with me. Mm -hmm. And then once someone starts the conflict or brings up a problem or brings up a hurt, well, last week you did this or before you did that, or what do you mean? You do the same thing. It kind of negates the authenticity of the problem that you have. If yeah. you didn't bring it up until they brought one up about Absolutely. you and it yeah. just turns into a defense tactic. That's a great point. And I think even adding to that point, the, the advice I'd, I would give to, to you and I've I've given this advice hundreds of times probably is when you know okay here's this conflict and we got to talk about it and I got to be specific what's always most fair is giving the other person a heads up so if I'm sitting here frustrated on the way that let's say my wife handled something with our kids instead of allowing that to sit on my heart and stewing on that in my mind and assigning intentions and pretending as if I know her motives and projecting all kinds of past hurts on her and then letting it build up until bam, it explodes on Saturday night. And then she's yelling cause she feels defensive and I'm attacking and I'm yelling because I feel like she's not listening. What's always best is to say, Hey, this particular issue happened with the kids. I didn't like how it was handled. Can we talk about that this evening when you get home? Can we talk about that on Friday? And now what we're doing is we're letting the other person catch up in their own mind with, with where we have been thinking and stewing on this thing for so long. And the other person's almost oblivious to it. Hmm. And we're, what we're doing is we're saying, I want to be specific about dealing with this issue, but I also want to be fair in dealing with it. And I'm going to tell you ahead of time, I want to talk about the kids. I want to talk about what you said in front of our friends. I want to talk about whatever it is, right? Whatever this particular thing is. I want to talk about this. And now the other person has a chance to go, man, I don't even know what I said, right? And then what did I say? Oh, did I say something wrong? Uh, oh man, I, I know I said that, but it was a joke and it I could see how, maybe now I can see how she took it the wrong way or whatever it is. And now what we're doing is we're, we're operating in good faith toward the other person. And we're, we're being fair and reasonable with them, which I think moves us to this other point. And that is the whole point of finding resolution in the conflict, right? The, the whole point of even having this conversation is to help the relationship, not to hurt the relationship. And I think that's what we have to be mindful of. That a lot of times what we want is we want to have in our discussion about our issue, what we want to have is a gotcha moment. Instead of realizing, I don't want a gotcha moment. I just want the relationship to be helped. And that's what that's what Matthew 18 says. You've gained a brother. I I just want this conversation to be helpful and not hurtful. And this is, this is, I think, so important to keep as the end goal in the conversation. 
that we aren't just trying to get through a problem. We're trying to help each other. Maybe you didn't realize what you said and how it hurt me, but it did hurt me. And here's, I'm going to explain why. And I'm not assigning blame, but here's the situation. I'm believing the best in this and I'm giving this other person the heads up. And then I'm hoping that at the end of this conversation, it's actually been helpful as opposed to somebody just leaving the conversation angry or mad or cold shoulder and just more hurt because of whatever transpired inside of the conversation. So keeping the goal as gaining a brother, keeping the goal as being helpful in this relationship. I think that's what I personally tend to do is I see something I don't like about something and I, I stew over to my mind and I have hypothetical conversations of what I would say to them if I had them sitting right in front of me <laughs> and I had an intervention and just have to realize like that's, that's never going to happen. It's never going to be the way I think it's going to be. And, and just doing these simple steps is what'll improve the situation much better than how I think it would go if I was able to sit that sit them down and give them a piece of my mind. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think I was just gonna say it goes back to your first point that the point is never to be right. Yeah. And like some we might start with the intention of gaining a brother, restoring a relationship, mending a problem that we have or a problem that someone else has. But somewhere in that emotional heat up as an argument builds or as a conflict is being worked out, which is always messy, the goal becomes, again, to be right mm -hmm. or to win or to have our side heard. And I think in the middle of a conflict is the most important time to remember that that's not the goal. Yeah. The goal is always to restore a relationship, to gain back a brother, to have the ability to have grace and forgive wrong that's been done, never to win. Yeah. I, I think the last point and maybe the most important point, and this is how we'll end this, is the best thing you can do in resolving conflict with a brother or sister, a husband or a wife, a coworker, somebody in the church, somebody at your office, is to pray for them. Hmm. It is really hard. I would say impossible to stay mad and angry at someone who you are praying for. And it sounds trite. It can sound like, okay, sure, Dave, you're supposed to say that. You're a pastor. Yeah, yeah, we got to pray for the other person. Sure, sure. Let's get to all the other stuff. And the other stuff is important. And it and the other stuff, the other stuff does help us regulate our heart, our our mindset. It does help us put our emotions in check. It, it helps us to think through positions biblically, not just emotionally. But this point helps us remember who is at work, not just in my heart, but even in this other person's heart. That the Lord can do a work inside someone else that I can't do. I can engage someone's brain. I can appeal to their emotions. I can sit and reason with them. I can try them help. I can try to help them see my perspective, but I cannot change a heart. The Lord and only the Lord can change a heart. And so in trying to resolve conflict, do not forget this point. In fact, you could forget all the other points, just not this one. Do not forget to pray for that person. Put that person at the top of your prayer list. I remember 
in pastoring, um, one of my mentors told me, he said, I was, I was complaining to him about what I felt like was unfair um, criticism that I was taking as a pastor. And I was, so I'm, I was venting to this pastor friend, a mentor of mine. And he said, you know what you should do with those families, Dave? I said, what? He said, you should put those families at the top of your prayer list. And he says, you'll know you'll have victory over bitterness and resentment toward them when you can pray for them without bad feelings. And I got to tell you, that was hard, but I did it. I put them at the top of the prayer list. I started praying for those individual families. And it took a while because our human, you know, our human nature, my, my sinful flesh, right? Oh, Lord, I pray for that family and I pray you just bless them real good, you know, with a flat tire and a demotion at work. And what it did is it convicted me as I was talking to the Lord about this other person, knowing what the Lord has done for me, how much he's forgiven me, how gracious and merciful he was for me, how he humbled himself and met me where I was. And it forced me to have the same kind of mentality toward them. And I, I'll tell you, sometimes it's still a struggle. There's no doubt. Even today, when you're praying through particular situations or you know issues that, you, that we're facing as it relates to conflict, it's still hard. That's true. And it's an ongoing battle for all of us. Never, none of us have made it. But that advice, I've never forgotten. Pray for them and pray for them in a way that you don't have these feelings of resentment and bitterness toward them. And the Lord gives us victory in that way because he can accomplish something that we can't do. And this is no different than anything that God calls us to walk through and to handle in a biblical way where it's just as much about us growing as it is about whatever the situation may be. Yeah. And you see that in, you know, the story you just told that I know I can relate to, and I'm sure Derek as well, that when we handle conflict God's way, when we pray for someone who we perceive to be our enemy at that point in time, when we love them through that, we, we were the, we're really the ones who are helped and yeah. we're really the ones who grow. And Absolutely. that's not by accident. That's God's plan. That's God's design. Um, you know, and just like anything that we see in his word, it just points us back to be able to praise him and thank him for um, instructing us in a way that doesn't just help him, that doesn't just help those that we're called to resolve conflict with, but that helps us. Absolutely. We want to thank you for listening today, Faith by Hearing. We're going to give you some announcements on uh, on the close here, so pay close attention we want to make sure that you're staying up to date with all of the different ways that you can participate in the conversation. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. <laughs> one of these days I'm going to memorize one of my whole spiels in the monster truck rally voice. And I'm going to do that. That would be so cool. Today, like we said, we're going to remind you one more time that today is your last chance to be entered into the hat giveaway. You do that today being January 31st, Tuesday, the day of this podcast release. You do that very simply by going on Apple podcast or Spotify podcast and leaving us a review and a rating. 
That's not as insurmountable of a task as it may sound like. How long would that take, Derek, if you typed up a couple sentences and clicked five stars? 17 seconds at the max. <laughs> what if you're like me and you type with uh, one finger on your phone? 23 minutes at the max. <laughs> <laughs> this is a couple minutes of your time that will help us and very, very possibly could help you win a free hat. So please go drop us a rating, drop us a review, leave some feedback that... If you are less than five stars, give us the reason why. That's all. We don't ask for all five-star reviews. Not really. We do ask that you would let us know what you think, where we could improve, um, and leave that rating and review. Today's the last day to be entered in the hat giveaway, so please get that done before today is over. We'll go out with this. This is a quote by the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. himself. He said about conflict that man must evolve for all human conflict a method which rejects revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. <laughs>